the games are won and lost at the line of scrimmage, but it's the stories of the people that really make the legacy. Welcome to Improv is No Joke podcast, where it is all about becoming a more effective communicator by embracing the principles of improvisation. Your host is Peter Margaritas, the man whose name is pronounced like a cocktail, but spelled like an inflammation. Peter is the self-proclaimed chief edutainment officer of his business, The Accidental Accountant. Peter's goal is to provide you with thought-provoking interviews with business leaders so you can become an effective improviser, which will lead to building stronger relationships with clients, customers, colleagues, and even your family. So let's start the show. Welcome to episode 75, and today my guests are Jack Park and Maureen Zapala, who are the authors of the upcoming book, Buckeye Reflections, Legendary Moments from Ohio State Football. I have interviewed both Jack and Maureen separately on this podcast, and you can find those prior episodes with episode number 13 being Jack Parks and episode 39 being Maureen Zapala's. Now, I will let Jack and Maureen do all the talking about this two-and-a-half-year journey in writing this book. It is a very, very interesting story and a number of stories, and even if you're not a Buckeye fan, I think you'll enjoy the work that they have done and the stories they've uncovered in developing the book. So here we go. I've been so excited for this interview. I'm I'm here in the hollow confines of my studio with Jack Park and Maureen Zapala, authors of the upcoming book. But by the time this comes out, It'll be live. It'll, it'll, be, it'll be real finally, guys. Buckeye Reflection. So first and foremost, thank you guys for taking time out of your busy, busy schedule to tell me more about this book. Oh, well, thanks. It's always a treat to chat about the book. It's a treat to chat with you. My version of the funny history of how this uh, came to be is Jack and I met as members of the National Speakers Association. Didn't know each other very well. We were sitting together at dinner. I was fascinated with his stories, his football stories and uh, his Ohio State stories. I didn't go to Ohio State. I went to Notre Dame. I love Notre Dame football. We had a lot in common, yakking and chatting. And I said to him, Jack, I said, you got to get these, bo- these stories in a book. I said, you have this incredible amount of stories. And he said, well, I already have a couple of books, but it's been a few years since I've, since I've written one. Maybe it's time for another one. And then I don't know how much later it was that you contacted me and said, Hey, I have an idea. Just read an article that you wrote. How about if we partner together on a book? He said, I have the stories, but maybe you can help me write them better. And my first reaction was, are you kidding? I don't know anything about Ohio (laughs) State. I went to Notre Dame. How am I going to explain this to my Notre Dame friends? But then my second thought was, this sounds like a really good project. I mean, Jack is brilliant. And I said, sure, let's go for it. And here we are. I don't know how many years later, two and a half years later, and, you know, the manuscript is just about ready to be delivered to the printer, and we're ready to go. So what are your memories there, Jack? Well, before, before we get to Jack, I just have to say, for a Notre Dame grad, she looks pretty good in scarlet and gray. <laughs> she, she's wearing scarlet and gray right now as, as, we're, as we're speaking. So I had, she has I had more to make scarlet a and gray clothes now than she ever had in her life. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> 
So give us your side of it, Jack. Well, uh, as as Maureen said, we did meet at a dinner. I don't think each of us even knew each other's names. You just go to a dinner and you happen to sit next to somebody. And there was definitely a connection made that, uh, that evening. And we found out we knew a lot of people in common. I won't go into all the details there, but it was... Uh, it was uh, just surreal almost, the number of people we had in common and some of the uh, basically ironic things that we discussed that first night. And I knew Maureen was a very, very active member of uh, Toastmasters. And on her Facebook page for a while, people kept complimenting her on this one article she'd written for Toastmasters. Mm. So I contacted her and I said, hey, send me the article, will you? And so what I do, I just print articles out. I put them in a little folder that goes into my briefcase. And the next time I take a flight, uh, that's when I read that. So I don't know, it was a week later, I'm on my way to Oklahoma City. I fly to Chicago and then on my way from Chicago to Oklahoma City, I'm going through these and I come across her article. And the time I got to Oklahoma City, this article is just an awful lot, was just an awful like, uh, an awful lot like her personality. Things just kind of came off the page. They were so real. It was just an excellent, excellently mm -hmm. written article. And I thought, you know, I have always had an idea of a, a book on Ohio State stories, and I'm so close to some of those, I'm not very objective. Right. And right. I thought we knew each other well enough at that time that she would be objective and could tell me that, well, this is not that good a story, Jack, and we threw some out. But I knew she also had the not ability many, to, not too many, <laughs> maybe not as many as Maureen wanted. <laughs> but I, she was such an excellent, basically, writer and uh, has tremendous research ability. And I thought there was also a chemistry mm -hmm. uh, between the two of us that we could work together. I would say, uh, long story short, by the end there, what we have found out uh, through our increased friendship now, that we are very, very different in the skills and abilities that we have brought to this book. And I think that's been one of our biggest assets, really, that we're very, very different. And we're, our different types of skills and abilities really complement each other. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. This has been a joy of a project. It really has been. So I, I've got a question, Jack. What are your, how many other books have you published on Ohio State football? It depends on how you count them. There's really three <laughs> other books. You're an accountant, my friend. Well, you should the, be able to now, count the black and white. There's three <laughs> other books. Uh, one is Ohio State football, The Great Tradition. Then I wrote the Ohio State Football uh, Encyclopedia, which had a second edition. Okay. I've also written the Ohio State Football Vault, and it has a second edition. And this, so if you count the two editions as two different books, this would be our sixth book. Uh, it, technically, it's really my fourth book, but okay. two of them do have two editions. And are the, the other editions, are they in print or are they out of print? Well, they're pretty much out of print now. Unfortunately, sports publishing out of Champaign, Illinois, uh, went bankrupt. Okay. And uh, those are uh, basically, unfortunately, those are out of uh, publication now. The Vault, uh, the newest edition of The Vault is also coming out this fall. Oh, it is? And so it will be in print. Yeah, I'm not sure exactly when, but it'll also be out this okay. fall. So what's, how is this book different from the other books that you have? Obviously, you have a co-author uh, who's from Notre Dame. But other than that, how is this book different? What, what, what's the difference here? It's basically uh, set up chronologically by Ohio State football history. We go back to 1890 when we started, and we've got a chapter on each kind of segment of Ohio State football, the graveyard of coaches, where within a period of 12 years, we had six different head coaches. Uh, we have three chapters on the Woody Hayes years. We okay. have a chapter on Earl Bruce, on John Cooper, a great chapter on Jim Trestle, a great chapter on Urban Meyer. And we start out, and we have probably... 
two to three pages of just going over what happened significantly on the football field there. The national championships, the Heisman Trophy winners that happened during that period of time. Then from there, we go into individual anecdoted stories. Okay. And they're short. Most of them are pretty short. They're unusual things that happen. They're outstanding things that happen. They're humorous things that happen. They're interesting things that happen. Some of them only may be five or six sentences. Some of them may be a page and a half. And we've complemented those with uh, program covers, ticket stubs, a ton of pictures, a ton of newspaper headlines uh, that show like Ohio State defeats Michigan. Ohio State wins the Rose Bowl. And we've put a lot of visuals in there to add to the... Uh, basically to the uh, enjoyment, I think, for the reader. Yeah, it's a, um, a book about stories of people. I mean, it, when I wrote the back cover text, uh, one of the points that I wanted to make was that the games are won and lost at the, at the line of scrimmage, but it's the stories of the people that really make the legacy. And Ohio State, it's a crazy legacy. I mean, crazy <laughs> good legacy. It's yeah. just a really rich, powerful, enduring, endearing legacy. So uh, I wanted to, we wanted to talk about the people. That's interesting because being a sports fan and University of Kentucky guy, and I love to watch them play. But to find out the stories, the stories about yeah. the that, people. about the people, yeah. the backstory. And I know you, I want you guys to share some of these stories, but that would just intrigue me even more. Yeah, the the things they overcome, the obstacles they faced. Uh, the random, weird, coincidental things that makes you scratch your head and think, wow, I didn't know that. And how did that happen? I mean, some of these have been really fascinating. So what was what was one of the most interesting or unique things of these of stories that you've heard that has just resonated with you? I think one of my favorite stories, I especially loved researching the really old history. I'm a history fan. I'm a football fan. You put the two together. Uh, it was great. So going back into the 1800s and the early 1900s was really fun. And something that was fascinating to me was that President Bush, either of them, George Bush or George H.W. Bush, there, let's see, it was it would have been George H.W. Bush's grandfather, right? So George W. Bush's great-grandfather was one of the first coaches of Ohio State. What? I know. Shut the front door. <laughs> Seriously. His name was Samuel Bush, and he was a, a businessman, entrepreneur, uh, legacy here in Columbus. And he started, he started the, um, the Seota country club built, uh, the menu, I think it was the manufacturing, some manufacturing association. Yeah. Uh, and was one of the, he was a volunteer for Ohio state, but worked side by side with one of the first coaches. Wow. Thought? Who, that, that's well, wow. That, I, I wasn't expecting that. That, okay. Well, Woody Hayes got the head coaching job at Ohio State only because Don Farrow, the man that they really wanted, who was at that time head coach of the University of Missouri, came in and interviewed for the job and accepted the job. And now Ohio State is going to put an end to this graveyard of coaches because whoever gets that coaching job in 1951 will be the sixth different head coach within a period of 12 years. Yeah. Three days after Ferro accepted the job, he called Dick Larkins, the director of athletics, and said, I have to apologize. I've changed my mind, and I'm going to stay at Missouri. Larkins was really upset and embarrassed. 
He got his selection committee back together, and they made their second choice. That's how Woody Hayes became the head coach at the Ohio State University. That's typical of some of the, I think, some of the stories that people will really find interesting and probably a lot of things that they don't know, really. So how did you guys find out these stories? I know you're a historian. You've written some books, and, and probably some of this might have been in some of the other books. But, but how did you get this kind of access? I love to research. I love to dig through the internet, uh, look through newspaper clippings. Uh, I went through, I think, old yearbooks, found student newsletters, random posts from other blogs, uh, corroborated a lot of the information, didn't just take it for what it was worth. Just spent a inordinate amount of time digging, 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 digging into the websites. And um, yeah, some of the stuff I found out was... I loved it, especially, okay, now, you know, Jack knows everything about Ohio State, but when I learned something and said to him, hey, Jack, did you know this? And he said, no, I didn't know that. I felt, this is it. This is my purpose on earth was to teach Jack Park something about Ohio State. <laughs> yeah, I was just going to ask, did you ever stump Jack? But apparently you did. A lot, of things. a lot of things that I found out from Maureen through her research were not always in the back. Uh, way in the early years, or some of them were much more current. Uh, some of the things that happened, I wasn't aware of there. So I said originally when we got together, and the more we worked, the closer we became, and the more we realized how different uh, sets of skills that we have, skills and abilities, and how they really have complemented each other in putting the book together. Wow. I, 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 I can, I mean, if you can see the look on both of these guys' face right now, <laughs> they, they've got the one just a sense of, oh my God, it's almost done. But two, they both got these huge smiles on, and, and you can hear through the voice how passionate they are and, and how well they work together, which I can imagine with a, such a enormous project of writing a book is, and if you've got two clashing personalities, but you seem both to work very well together. I, I think we did, yeah. Which yeah. was a big, which was a big asset to to getting this thing ready, and it will be out uh, by Thanksgiving, before Thanksgiving, it'll, it'll be out. And if it's out prior to the uh, uh, release of this podcast, I'll make sure to put it in, let everybody know that it is live, and go out and buy it. What challenges did you guys run into in in because you did say you did have an a interview with Coach Trestle. How do I, how do I with all the, the, the backstory with, with Coach Trestle and everything mm -hmm. and, and his departure from Ohio State, mm -hmm. how receptive was he to being in this book and how did you? He was so incredibly gracious. I mean, I just, I was so impressed with his openness, his willingness to host us. He spent, he, he gave us three hours of his day in his home on a Saturday or a Sunday afternoon. It was just delightful. We had asked for 30 to 45 minutes, thinking we probably would meet with him uh, in his office, uh, right. maybe on a Wednesday or Thursday at Youngstown State University. In fact, we offered to take him out to lunch if he was so busy, and we could do the interview then. And when we found out that he, one of the options he gave us was Saturday morning, and Maureen and I talked, and I think it was Maureen's idea, well, let's do Saturday morning because there'll be fewer people coming in out of his office. Right. So when we accepted Saturday morning, his administrative person got back to us and said, well, he would like to have you come to his home, his, the president's home there on the YSU campus. And as Maureen said, that 45 minutes turned into three hours. Wow. And the thing is, we went into that interview, at least I did, I, I didn't want to go into the ugly parts. That's right. not what we wanted. Right. We wanted to find out where has life taken him 
post-OSU. Okay. He's the president of Youngstown State University. Right. We wanted to know, what's the difference between coaching a, a Big Ten powerhouse and leading a state university? We wanted to know how, you know, how his faith has kind of filtered into his whole, into his new life. We wanted to know, I wanted to know how he got to the new life. And so mm-hmm. that was an interesting story. So, you know, the whole bit of his OSU issue mm-hmm. never came up. And that, it, it was wonderful. It was fine. I didn't care because I was so impressed with his heart and what he's doing right now for Youngstown State. The other interesting part of it, his wife, Ellen, joined us for probably, what, the last 30 minutes and shed some light on the things, too, basically there. It was just, uh, that was one of the first interviews we did. And so we left and headed back to Medina and had lunch. And I said to Maureen, we're going to do a lot of really good interviews before this book's over. This is one of the first ones. We've started out on top. (laughs) You you raised that bar really high. And and I I like that angle because I think OSU... I think OSU uh, fans would want to know that story. I mean, they, they, they know all the other stuff, but they would want to know more about that story on where, how and how and comparison aspect of it. Well, and with all these people's permission, we recorded all this too. Then Maureen wrote those stories based on the interview and went back through the, uh, I, I know she spent hours and hours going back through the tapes and everything like that and wrote those stories and has done a tremendous job on doing that. She really has. Yeah. So let me ask you this question. Ohio State. I, there's one guy that keeps popping up in my head. Two-time Heisman Trophy winner. Um, what's his name? Archie Griffin. <laughs> I, I've heard of him before. Actually, he kind of lived down the street from me at one point in time. Did you ever get a chance to interview Archie for this? Well, Jack knows Archie. He knows he's got a long history with him. We did get a chance to interview him. I didn't get to meet him face-to-face. So our interview with him uh, was over the phone. But we also interviewed his two brothers. Oh, he's got two brothers? He's got two brothers that played on the same team together with him at Ohio State. They're all, you know, three different, they're three, di- they're three different ages. Yeah. But it, there was what year? 75. They all did play the same time. Uh, Archie was a senior. Uh, his brother Ray was a sophomore. And then Duncan was a freshman. They all played uh, varsity at the same time. Oh, wow. Yeah. And they all, let- they all lettered for the school all four years. So the, it's a legacy a lot of people don't know about because they know Archie Griffin, oh my goodness, two-time Heisman Trophy winner. But yeah, there's a whole football legacy with his whole family and a big part of it is at Ohio State. So they actually wrote the uh, for, uh, the um, introduction for our book. and uh, All three of them? Well, they, we interviewed them and all three of them. And then I, I recorded the interview and then pieced together the interview to make it into an introduction. And they did, you know, they ran a sanity check by it, but... But yeah, the purpose of the interview is to get the information for the introduction. And here's where Maureen's talents really came through, because we did these interviews and recorded them, and then she went back through these, and basically, uh, now she and I did not write the introduction. They wrote the introduction. What we facilitated was, and particularly Maureen did, is took their thoughts and put them on paper and basically, the introduction is written as three people talking, and that takes a talent to do that, right. put that all together. Right. And then, of course, it went back to them, and they edited it, and they tweaked it, and the same thing like that. But we think this is such a unique book that we have the three Griffin brothers jointly doing the introduction. And when we took the picture for the cover, for the back cover, we didn't want to do it at Ohio Stadium. We actually did it at Griffin Field at Eastmore High School, where they each played uh, high school football. And uh, so we just did a lot of things a little bit different than, than the normal book. Well, I'm sitting there thinking, if you got the three Griffin brothers to do an introduction, 
who in the heck did you get to write the forward? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> what would you... Well, you're giving us easy questions here. <laughs> <laughs> there were three players that played in, uh, played together on the championship team of yeah, 1993 through 1996. Uh, Mike Vrabel, who now is the uh, defensive coordinator for the t- uh, Houston Texans. Luke Fickle, who's now the head coach at University of Cincinnati, but was the defensive coordinator for Ohio State up until last year. And then uh, Ryan Miller, who didn't play football after LSU, but went into, he owns his own marketing company. The three of those guys together were really tight friends at Ohio State. Oh, okay. And had, uh, had since started a nonprofit foundation where they uh, read books to second graders. And you'll read a lot about it in our book because we covered it extensively, but the three of them together, they, this foundation is called the Second and Seven Foundation. The Second and Seven. Second and Seven. Second graders. Oh, the first year of the foundation, they spoke to seven schools of second graders. So there's the Second and Seven. Okay. So that's how it goes. But anyway, the three of them, we interviewed them and put together their information and they wrote the forward for us. So. Wow. What, 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 I'm curious. So, so they each wrote something. And I assume it's all different, but what kind of angle, where, where, where do they come from? What position do they come from in writing this forward? Well, we did the, uh, mostly uh, Ryan Miller furnished a lot of it. And uh, Maureen and I met with Ryan Miller since Luke Fickle is now in Cincinnati right. and Mike Vrabel is in Houston. We really couldn't get all three of them together. Otherwise, when they were all here in Columbus, we could have done that. Now, they did have a a fundraising event for their Second Seven Foundation in June. And Maureen and I went to that. And we did, were able to then, I knew Luke Fickle, of course, for a number of years. And Maureen was able to meet with both Luke and his wife. And we spent some time there and got a little information and so forth there. But basically, what Maureen did was the same thing with the Griffin brothers. She learned about all about the history of the Second Seven Foundation, how they were recruited to Ohio State, what formed their friendship, mm-hmm. and basically has, has just put their words into writing, so to speak, with a terrific forward for the book. It's, it's just, it's really great, and I think people enjoy reading it. That's cool. That, 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 that is so cool. So, were there any non-Ohio State players or coaches that maybe other coaches that played against Ohio State or some Ohio State connection did you guys interview with? Uh, Yeah, there were a couple of those, but when you, okay, you had me until you got to, did you interview them? Because the first thing that popped into my head was the connection between um, Ohio State and Notre Dame through New Rockney. Of course, we couldn't meet with them because long gone. Well, yeah. But I don't know if a lot of people realize that he was recruited to be Ohio State's head coach and had almost verbally committed to do that because as much as he had done so much at Notre Dame, he was a little frustrated at Notre Dame. This is back in the 20s or the 30s. He was frustrated because um, Notre Dame wouldn't build him a new stadium and he wanted to play bigger schools, but the little tiny Cartier field at Notre Dame was too small. And he kept saying, please build me a new stadium. I promise. It was like, you know, build it and they will come. come. The school didn't want to do it. He was frustrated. He heard that Ohio State was looking for a coach, went to St. John, who was the uh, athletic director, and kind of put a bug in his ear saying, I might be interested. They interviewed him, offered him the job. He accepted the job, went back to Notre Dame. Notre Dame said, oh, no, 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 no. We'll build you a stadium. <laughs> and the next year they built a stadium. Oh, wow. So he stayed at Notre Dame. But Ohio State almost got Newt Rocky. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's an interesting story. Well, it is an interesting story. And the other thing about our friendship uh, was so ironical. Even that first night we met talking about football, and that's all we talked about. We didn't talk about speaking that night. It was all about football, really. I think we ignored everybody else at the table that night. I think two people talked about football. But uh, the other thing is uh, I have studied Rockney for years because I use him as one of the primary uh, principles in my leadership seminar called The Leadership Secrets of Football's Master Coaches. Yes. To me, he's the greatest college football coach of all time. Vince Lombardi's the greatest professional football coach of all time. There's quite a connection there, too, which, which I use as what goes around, comes around, so forth like that. A lot of people didn't know that Newt Rockney's very first game of all time was in Cleveland, Ohio against Case Tech. And uh, so there, we've got a lot of things, uh, certainly Notre Dame there, not so much because no, uh, Maureen's a Notre Dame graduate, but because there is definitely a connection there. Another one, one of the best interviews I ever did as far as getting information was an interview with Lee Corso. Really? You interviewed Corso? The reason I did the interview, Woody Hayes' last victory was at Indiana on the the 18th of November of 1978 by a score of 21 to 18 in a game that went right down to the very end and Ohio State intercepted at the, uh, at the, at, at close to the goal line there and saved the victory. And Corso just had so many wonderful things to say about uh, Hayes. For one thing, an Indiana coach, an older coach, the name of Howard Brown, died during that last football season. And they had his funeral, I think it was in October, they had his funeral on a Wednesday. He was a military man, Brown was, and of course, Woody was a great military man. And Corso said to me, only one other Big Ten coach came to his funeral right in the middle of the, of the football season. And it was Woody Hayes. Woody Hayes. He gave us just so much uh, reflection on Woody Hayes. that uh, When you see Corso on TV, you don't think of him this way, but he was a very emotional. In fact, when he got fired, he said the first person that called their home was Woody Hayes' wife, Ann Hayes. Mm-hmm. He, she, he said he, he didn't want, she didn't want to talk with me. She wanted to talk with my wife. And she let my wife, Betsy, know it's okay to get fired. A lot of things mm-hmm. worse in life could happen. It was a great interview. It's really a great interview. So how did you? I have to ask this question. So how did you get? Did you know Corso? Was it Herb? Was it Kirk Herb Street? Kirk Herb Street got me the phone number. Okay. And when I called him and explained who I was, uh, he was kind of going to do the interview and everything. And I'm an Ohio State guy. And when that interview turned to the reason I'm calling is I want to talk about Woody Hayes, his whole demeanor changed. You could just uh, tell it over the telephone. And that telephone interview probably lasted forty five minutes. Uh, wow! Uh, yeah, it was. Uh, it's just. Uh, so did you interview he, Herbie? Herbie as well? Yeah, for, well, yeah. For, for Herbie the, was the first player recruited by John Cooper. No, we didn't interview oh. him for the book. We've got some stories on him though, oh, okay. and also his dad. He and his dad were the first ever father-son combinations playing for Ohio State that were both captains. So we've got a nice little story on that. Interesting. Interesting. And, and, you know, I, I, I've been following Ohio State for the last 22 years of being in Columbus. And I'm, I'm not so much a Fairweather fan, but I'm not a Jack Park. or, But I would have thought over the years of being here, and as many um, Ohio State fans that I know, and they've shared stories of Ohio State, I've never heard none of these. Yeah. This, I mean, I, if you're, I, I would, I'm just going to know if you're an Ohio State fan. This is a must-buy. I mean, because it sounds like there's so many unique stories that behind the scenes about the people. Yeah, we all know the headlines. We all yeah. know the records, the championships, the awards. But you're right. The people stories are the—that's the, the link between 
every one of us. We all connect on some personal level with each other. And that's what this book is about. It's these cool stories. Wow. I, and I can't wait till it comes out because I, I'm, I'm, I, know, I know friends. Actually, my, my wife's, the gentleman who runs uh, Directions for Youth and Family Services is a big Buckeye fan. And my wife's already put a bug in his ear about this book, that it's something that he's going he's gonna to need to you know, you know, get that book. And, and, and I will continue to, when I see Buckeye fans, especially since it's come, coming at a perfect time of the year. Well, we have a way for them to be up up to speed on news and information. I, if you go to BuckeyeReflectionsBook.com and enter your email address, it will put you on a list. And I send out, send out fairly regular updates on where we're at. For example, I visited the printing uh, manufacturer, the printing facility mm-hmm. about, I don't know, two weeks ago. was totally blown away by the facility. I've never been to an off-scent printing location before. So I just sent out a quick email to everybody saying, oh my gosh, the place is amazing. And by the way, here's a picture of the cover. And so. Okay. So let's go to BuckeyeReflectionsBook.com, enter your email address and you can get updates. Mm -hmm. And that will also be the link for when the book is released. That will be the same link. That'll be a website where you can actually purchase it. Purchase the book. And book signings and bookstores. Yeah. It will not be on Amazon. Okay. Uh, so don't be looking for it on Amazon, okay. but BuckeyeReflectionsBook.com and then uh, book, bookstores around Columbus. Great. Uh, any last words about the book that you would like to share with the audience? Obviously, now they know how to purchase it, where to go, get on this list. Any last things you'd like to tell this audience? Well, we've got, uh, we think some very interesting stories and very informative stories about people that are not players or coaches. They're the other people that are a big part of the great Buckeye tradition. And Maureen did most of these interviews, at least a lot of the interviews. She interviewed the Buckeye man, Larry. Oh, Buckeye. yeah, yeah. She interviewed uh, Big Nut, John Peters. Yeah. And those are the guys that, you know, put all the war paint on and you see them at the games and everything like that. But there's quite a story behind why they do what they do and what they do for other people that probably most people see them on television would have no idea the good that they do for their communities. Yeah. Uh, we were at a function together last Thursday evening and got a chance to meet personally Shelly Graff. Shelly Graff was the first ever female drum major in any of the Big Ten schools, 1981. So we've got, a, we've got basically a nice story on Shelley Graff. Uh, we've got a story on the, on the quarterback club, what it is, what it does. We've got a story on the Buckeye Boosters and what they do basically to support the Ohio State Universities. Uh, they're short stories, but mm-hmm. they're about a lot of organizations that probably a lot of fans really don't know about. Uh, do you have stories on the various amount of Buckeye mascots that they've been? And the development of the headgear and... Well, we'll give you a little bit of a secret, too. This is one of our best stories. Uh, A lady by the name of Emily Moore, who's now Emily Moore Williams, uh, I've known her for quite a while. And she was the first female Brutus. Now, she doesn't like to be called female Brutus because Brutus is a man. So basically what she says is, I'm the first lady that was a male Brutus, that type of thing. Okay. Uh, But she's become very close friends with Urban and Shelley Meyer. And Shelley Meyer, through Maureen, gave us a story about Urban being a mascot when he was at the University of Utah. 
And basically what they do at one of their basketball games, they unveil who the new mascot is. Why, well, as a joke, he'd been, I think, football coach there one year, very successful. Yeah. And he's out in the middle of the basketball court and everything. And then they, he takes off the, you know, the mascot's <laughs> head. Here's Urban Meyer, the head coach. And we have pictures of both of him with the head on and, with the he- and then with the head off and everything like that. It's really a neat story. Really great. Oh, that's cool. The woman that you met who gave you the story, she runs a camp for people that want to learn how to be a mascot, which you wouldn't think what? that there would be talent and skill, but you think about it. There's yeah. high energy. You got to take on a persona. There is a lot of physicality. Uh, you have to be on all the time, even though they can't see your face, right. they can see your body language. So she runs a camp for people that want to be a mascot. Oh, that's, do you remember the name of the camp off the top of your head? Uh, it's in the book. Uh, it's Emily Moore, Emily Moore Williams, and it's it's held here in Columbus. It's a one-day camp. They do it maybe two or three times in the summertime. Yeah. They do it in the summertime. Uh, a lot of the people that have attended that are actually high school students that are high school mascots. And uh, I think what they do probably is to help give them confidence. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. as Maureen said, that's a persona. And you're always on and uh, basically how to go about it. Uh, her brother is very active with her in running the camp. The two of them run the camp together. And what they've done, they've set up a foundation uh, at Ohio State. And all the money that they make from this foundation actually goes to the uh, Ohio State Medical Center. Oh, cool. They got, they got some wonderful stories. I, I mean, I can't wait till this thing comes out to, to read it. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah. It's been a, this has been a long process. <laughs> uh, and anybody out there who's ever written a book yeah. understands that it's a long process. And those of you who haven't, yeah. it's a it's a long process. Well, and, and it, this it, book too is different. Other other than the fact that it's about stories, visually it is stunning, absolutely stunning. It's full color. It's laid out very visually. It's just very appealing. It's a hardcover book. It's got a beautiful dust jacket. We had top shelf designers working with us. I mean, it's it is like a coffee table book. It's a it's a prize. And uh, we're very indebted to a lady at the Ohio State Photo Archives. Her name is Michelle Drobuk. And I've known Michelle for a number of years. She's helped me with pictures on some of my other books. But when I explained the purpose of this book, uh, she went back into, uh, I don't know how many millions of photos they have over at the Ohio State Photo Archives, but we gave her some ideas of some of what the stories are. And she went back and pulled out some photos there. And, and made those available to us. And there are photos, as many years as I've been involved with Ohio State football, there are a lot of photos I'd never seen before. Wow. And these photos, I think you'll find they'll add a lot to it. And then it goes, what that, uh, too, Peter, goes back to is uh, we're so indebted that a lot of the people that have helped us, without them they're giving us their time to develop their stories, uh, the book wouldn't be nearly as complete. And that's particularly the three Griffin brothers. Yeah. And of course, you know, Mike Vrabel, Luke Fickle, and Ryan Miller. And then all the help from other people that uh, Jeff Rapp, who uh, people that might be listening to this podcast that are sports fans here in, in the Columbus area. He's one of the top reporters on Ohio State football. And Jeff has done the technical editing for us there. And it's basically, he's an AP sports writer. Yeah. And, he, and it basically uh, uh, has done a great job in making sure that we're doing things the right way from an editorial standpoint. Uh, you should be getting a lot of thank yous from Buckeye Nation on writing this book. I think it's going to blow a lot of people away. Uh, I, I think they're going to learn more about Ohio State football than they ever would have thought. I think they're going to have that same look on their faces I've had throughout this. My chin's are like, ah. So, like some people sometimes tell me, you'll learn more than you ever wanted to know. <laughs> I 
could say that. <laughs> Considering I knew nothing about Ohio State other than where it was. <laughs> yeah. I remember, and I don't know if I've ever shared this with Maureen, but I will share it now. Uh, after we decided to do the book, Maureen lives in Medina. I live in Columbus. After we decided to do the book, I have a timeline. It's about an eight-page thing of all the uh, – and it starts with 1890. It's all the significant things that have happened in Ohio State football history. So I think it was right before Christmas, and I went up to her home. First time I'd ever been at her home. And uh, I thought it would be good to go through the timeline to start bringing her up to speed on Ohio State football history. Well, it took about all day. And as I'm driving home that night, I said, boy, I hope I haven't blown this deal. (laughs) I said, she learned more today about Ohio State football than she probably ever wanted to know. Oh, it is so true. I had no idea what I was getting myself into. But I also was absolutely astonished at how much you knew and how passionate you were and how you love this school. You love this legacy. And who would not want to partner with somebody who loves what they do? And does a great job at it. He does. Yeah, so I, I want to thank you both again for taking time. We want to thank you. Oh, thank you, Peter. Oh, anytime. You know, you know how much I love doing this and, and uh, love helping you guys. And I wish you all the success. I know that you're going to have it. And uh, I look forward to reading the book. And I look forward to seeing you guys after it's out. Probably be in January. I okay. I think you should. When this book is done, we're going out and have a big dinner together, believe me, and we're not going to talk about football, right? <laughs> That'll be a change. And we'll have a glass of wine. <laughs> You'll be sitting and looking at each other. Now, what do we talk now about? What? Now what? Well, thank you guys so very much. It's been a pleasure. Good luck, and we'll be talking soon. All right. Thank you, Peter. Thanks. I can't begin to thank Jack and Maureen for spending time on this episode discussing their book. I mean, those teaser stories. I mean, it's, 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 if you're a Buckeye fan, you just want to have this. And remember, you can purchase the book, Buckeye Reflections, by going to the website, BuckeyeReflectionsBook.com. And by the way, this will make a perfect Christmas gift for any Buckeye football fan. Before I close, I'd like to talk about the first five episodes of my podcast that are qualified for CPE self-study credit under the NASBA category of personal development. Those interviews are with Clark Price, who's the retired CEO of the Ohio Society of CPAs, Michael Scortino, who's the author of the book Creditude Marketing, Tom Hood, who's the CEO of the Maryland Association of CPAs, Ed Mendelowitz, who's a partner in the accounting firm of Witham, Smith & Brown, and Carl Ulrichs, who's a human resource professional at the insurance company of Gregory & Appel. These episodes are located on the BLI, that's the Business Learning Institute, self-study website, and they are mobile-friendly. All you have to do is, from your desktop or laptop computer, go in, establish an account, and then purchase an episode. Once you've done this, you can listen to that episode on your daily commute, while you're working out, or even at your desk. And the cool part is, when you're finished, you can take the review and final exam from your mobile device or computer. It's that easy. It's that simple. Now, while all selected Improv No Joke podcasts are available on my website, only those purchased through the BLI self-study website are eligible for CPE self-study credit. You can get detailed instructions by visiting my website at petermargaritas.com and clicking on the graphic 
Listen, Learn, and Earn Improv is No Joke podcast on the homepage. I really hope you enjoy this exciting and flexible way of receiving CPE credit. Please take a moment and subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play so you won't miss an upcoming episode. Also, if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, I would greatly appreciate it if you would take a few moments and leave a review on iTunes. I thank you so very much. Now, November is National Diabetes Month, and I'll be donating 20% of all paperback and audiobook sales from my website to the Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation. The book, Improv is No Joke. Use the improvisation to create positive results in leadership in life, which is purchased from my website, are personally signed. The book retails for $14.99 and the shipping's free. To order, go to petermargaritas.com and click the Available Now icon on the homepage. In addition, you can download Improv is No Joke audiobook for $14.99 and you can listen on the go. Remember, 20% of all sales in the month of November will be donated to the Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation. I'm in the process of writing my next book with the working title of Financial Storytelling, and I'm previewing content on my social media. So if you're curious, connect with me on Facebook by searching The Accidental Accountant. On Twitter and Instagram, I can be found by searching P. Margaritas. And on LinkedIn, just search my name, Peter Margaritas. There's actually two Peter Margaritas's in the greater Columbus area, but there's only one who's a CPA. In episode 76, my guest is Dr. David Brobeck, who is the problem-solving professor. David is a professional speaker and professor of graduate studies at Walsh University in North Canton, Ohio, and we will be discussing on how learning can be fun and how to make the classroom more engaging. So until next time, remember to use your principles of improvisation to better connect with your clients, colleagues, and family. Thank you. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.